mappers and grappers. Welcome to episode 13 of Maps and Graps. Um, I'm your host, as always, Lyric Swinton, aka at Lyric Wrestling on Twitter. Is Twitter still going to be a thing a couple months from now? Who knows? I'm also on the new threads thing with Instagram, just Lyric, at Lyric Swinton. Listen, social media is a very, it's the wild, wild west right now. So, you know, I don't know what's happening with these apps, but there will always be a place to find me and this podcast. So don't worry, we're not going anywhere. It's been a very exciting time in the world of pro wrestling. I feel like I'm still personally recovering from Forbidden Door. Um, just, uh, you know, um, me and Charlie both, like we recorded both as soon as we got home. And so I just feel like my body took like a whole week to like re-regulate after that. And then, of course, like, you know, be me being the fan that I am, like, I had to go back and, like, rewatch some of the matches. I have now seen Osprey versus Omega 2 three times. Um, not in counting, like, not even counting, like, the actual night of where I was there witnessing it in person. Um, yeah, guys, that's my match of the year. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, that final sequence um, of Kenny kicking out of the one wing angel at one going into him, like being able to reverse the uh, one wing angel into a German suplex mid move to the tiger driver um, 91 to the hidden blade to the Stormbreaker. I mean, just that cinema, baby. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's been super cool. Lots of cool stuff happening specifically in pure wrestling, um, I mean, American wrestling too. Um, I, obviously, there's a merge there. But the New Japan strong shows that happened for Independence Day on July 4th and 5th in Korokan Hall, Tokyo, Japan. Um, I knew this card was going to be insane. Like, I, I knew going into it that, like, this had the potential to be, like, my fav- one of my favorite sets of shows the entire year but my god did they not disappoint like new japan is promotion of the year i think i've said it on here before but just to reiterate new japan is promotion of the year and i you know i think it's not even just the fact that they've done a lot right this year which they have but one thing that i admire about new japan in this space um and this time in pro wrestling is where like you have to think that about it. Every single major promotion is stepping it up. Like WWE is stepping it up in their own way. AEW is stepping up, like, you know, expanding. And even Impact, you know, is expanding. Re- you know, Ring of Honor is getting back off the ground. Noah is like, you know, doing really well right now. And like, you know, ex- in the process of expanding. Um, all Japan Pro Wrestling is trying to get their name out there. Stardom is, you know, finally showing signs of wanting to like, you know, branch out. TJPW just did insane shows during, you know, WrestleMania weekend. Huge draw. Joshi Wrestling on the indies here in the U.S. Like, every single promotion that, like, really has a stake in, like, the major field is firing on all cylinders right now. And New Japan is still, like, standing heads above and shoulders above everybody else right now. And I think it's because of, like, innovation like this, like we saw in the, these New Japan 
strong shows, they have been taking a lot of risks. And I think that they're, you know, not being scared to take risks, especially, and you have to think, they have more ground to cover than like just about a lot, most, like basically every American promotion, just because you have to think, Japan, like COVID restrictions just got thrown out completely, like, maybe what four months ago um something like that so it's very interesting to see how much ground they've covered in a short period of time like you have to think like wwe's been back aew's been back impact's been back like you know everybody's been back for a while you know obviously everything isn't the same since before COVID, but like you know everybody's basically adapted you know but man the way that they have just continued to just set such a high bar this year. Every single year show has been extremely, um, extremely um, entertaining. Obviously I'm not going to talk about all of them here because I've already talked about most of them that happened this year. Uh, but I'm specifically about to talk about these um, new Japan strong shows. So let's get into it. So on night one, we started off with, you know, a six man tag, um, young lions and you know the old heads teaming up like usual stuff. Oh, as well as some like some outsider talent. Bad dude Tito defeated the DKC. Um, and next we had Team Filthy versus um Alex Zane, Lance Archer, and Awa. Like, you know, even though these were obviously like, you know, just how I'll say it, like, you know, just matches to get people on the card and they were all like everything was super entertaining i feel like everything was time great also i think i knew this but lance archer is a rock star like a rock star in japan it's really cool to see him get that type of reaction i think like that's also i i think i tweeted this but i was like this AEW New Japan relationship continues to like pay off for all parties because I think like, um, and now you add Ring of Honor into that mix too of just like you have so many different stars. I think on both sides, on like on all sides, who there will never be enough TV time in the world. Like you know, for any or you know, just the marquee matchups in the world for everybody. But I think we've seen a lot of people be able to get big moments, big, like, you know, just, like, being able to be on a larger scale that they might not be, like, waiting in line for opportunity, maybe at AEW. I think Lance Archer is, like, one of those super talented people who can have main event matches. Like, obviously, we've seen on AEW, like, his, like, to this day, that Texas death match that he had with Hangman is one of my favorites um, of Hangman's title run. And I, I trust me, I loved uh, most of the matches um, from Hangman's title reign. But that's one that I keep going back and revisiting because, man, that one was so good. But, um, yeah, Lance Archer in Japan, I think, has just been so great for him. And, like, to have, like, you know, another fitting place, you know, for him to still feel like a big deal because, like, he he has to be one of the best big men right now in professional wrestling. Like, just absolutely incredible athlete. Um, but moving on in the car, we had um, Tom Lawler versus Kosei Fujita. Listen, man, um, I've been really high up on Fujita this year. 
He's been a great fit with TMDK. Apparently, he's done like doesn't need excursion or anything. As a young island, he's as a young lion, he's graduated. Love to hear it. He is head and shoulders above just about any everybody in his class right now with wrestling. Tom Lawler said that himself. Um, and the his backstage comments after like obviously Tom Lawler won the match, but man, Fujita is special. Um and I look forward to seeing his career. He fits, like I said, he fits in the technical style of TMDK, like a glove. And man, I'm just really excited. Um, you know, big news dropped this weekend. Uh, well, this past week with New Japan calling um, the new three musketeers, a.k.a. Shota Umino, Yoda Suji, and Ren Narita. And, you know, a lot of young lions, both on the American side as well as the Japanese side, did not take too kindly to that. And, you know, hey, I think it's going to be a very interesting dynamic that we see play out in the G1 as well as throughout the rest of the year. And I'm excited just because there's a lot of people with claims to being, you know, saying that they're next up in the next generation. I'm going to get to that um, when we get further down the card here. But next, we had a good preview tag. Um, Eddie Kingston and Rocky Romero versus Bullet Club. Gato and Kenta. Eddie and Rocky get the win. Listen, it's just so special to see Eddie Kingston walking Corican Hall in his 40s, you have to think he's gotten his big break in wrestling, you know, fairly late in his career. In this, he's wearing this Jay Briscoe t-shirt, and these people, like regarding of regardless of language, language um, barriers or anything like that, they are cheering Eddie Kingston, and it's just beautiful. Because obviously he's talked openly about his love for Japanese wrestling. But for me personally, a lot of my love for Japanese wrestling comes from Eddie Kingston. Like he was one of, you know, the wrestlers that I really gravitated to in AEW. And he would always post while he had a Twitter account, he would just post matches, like just mo match. It was not like typically no like caption or anything. Just post matches, YouTube links. I started watching them. And I was like, oh, I just, I want to, I want to love this, you know, like, and fall deeper and deeper in this and loving Puro wrestling, Joshi wrestling. And that's exactly what I did. And I think a lot of that was inspired by, you know, Eddie Kingston. Like, he just made it so cool to be a Puro nerd. And I was like, man, if Eddie Kingston can do this, I can do this too. So, like I said, very good preview tag. It was a beautiful moment to see. Next up, we had Momo Kogo and Willing, Willow Nightingale versus Mafia Bella, Julia, and Tekla. Listen, I love this tag match. I think that both, all four of these people are spectacular, but man, 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 it was special to see Willow. First of all, just see Willow and Cork and Hall as the new Japan pro wrestling um, world, you know, strong women's champion, like, I think that was special in so many different ways and it just gave me chills, you know, like, yeah, it just gave me chills seeing, like we've seen her grow and progress. Like this time last year, she wasn't even signed to a company. Like she, she did not have a contract and now you're like, like, you know, you're representing a whole promotion 
multiple promotions, to be quite honest, like representing AEW, representing Ring of Honor, representing New Japan, and you're doing it like just a year ago, you weren't even signed. That's just crazy. Like, I'm just very proud of her for like really taking the ball. People could say whatever they want about what should and should have happened, like, you know, on the night of resurgence. Like, I was hoping that Willow won it to start with, uh, even though I love Mercedes, obviously. Um, and I think like she's just handled, she's risen to the occasion beautifully. Like she made you believe that sh she is a worthy champion, which she is. And I think that's all that matters. Like she's done her job just so efficiently. And I think like, I just really appreciated her time title reign. So I just want to talk to, about that, but man, Julian Tekla are a great team. Um, Tekla is also amazing. Like I, think that she's extremely underrated the toxic spider and her post-match con uh, comment she talked about wanting to wrestle willow one-on-one -on -one, and i think that like that that is really cool like i think and it also points towards a deeper future working relationship hopefully between aew and stardom so that's super awesome it was just really cool seeing all these people um you know mix it up and also momo koga and it's and Willow are a great baby face team, like super sun, sunshine and rainbows in the best way possible. Um, and also Momo continues to rise to the occasion in big time matchups. And listen, that's I think that's what's so scary about stardom if they really start interacting with the world. Is people don't understand, like Momo Kogo is like the equivalent of a third string, a third shrinker on a football team. So, like, if that's the third string, imagine what the star quarterback looks like. Like, that's that's what's scary about stardom. It's just, like, everybody, even the third stringers, like, the quote-unquote jobbers are capable of pulling out, like, four-star minimum matches. Like, insanity. Uh, moving on, this, is, this was one of my favorite results of the night. Um, Bullet Club War Dogs. Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd defeated Bishamon for the New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Team titles. I think that this was one a perfect decision. Also, I want to give props to New Japan for actually being able to split titles up in no fuss, with no fuss. Like, that was just really, really, really efficient way of splitting up the titles of just, okay, you're going to go against the same team both nights. Just different belt on the line every night. That was just such an efficient way. I feel like, you know, sometimes promotions make all this unification stuff like super hard or, you, well, like, you know, like they act like they can't split up titles without unifying. It's just, that was just, and I, I know I'm like sounding like that makes just, that was just common sense. But, you know, sometimes common sense ain't too common. So, whatever. This was a great match. Um, a lot of y'all owe David Finley an apology. Um, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to actually, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, a lot of people owe David Finley an apology. Um, so I don't know when y'all going to tell that man sorry, but I think you should. When that man said he was gutting and rebuilding Bullet Club from the ground up with real killers and savages, he was not playing. Um, sending all these guys was a great decision to Bullet Club. Like, And moving on to the next match was even better was even better, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title match 
You had the other Bullet Club War Dogs, Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney, defeated Catch 2-2, Francesco Akira and TJP. This was an incredible match. Um, it's hard to believe that that was, it's very hard to believe that that was Clark Connors and Drilla's first time ever teaming up. And like the chemistry that they had is absolutely insane. It's like, if you would have told me that when they had that original crazy nutty match at best of the super juniors, like literally tried to kill each other, that they would end up becoming a tag team end up being like instantly one of my favorite tag teams. These guys have it. Like the charisma is there. The wrestling ability is there. Like, the heat with the crowd is there. Like, they get it. It's just, like, I think it's really cool to see specifically, like, the L.A. Dojo guys. I feel like everybody has been able to step out and really show what they can do this year. And I feel like it's still a long way to go because, I mean, if you look, if you heard um, Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd's um, post-match comments, they talked about how they feel like they've been getting cheated lately of not being on the Wrestle Kingdom card you know, not being um, on a lot of these special shows, or not being in the New Japan Cup, um, how how they, you know, not being, having all these opportunities, like they went through the dojo system too, especially like, you know, in light of the new comments about um, Narita, Umano, and Suji being the new Three Musketeers. And I think that a lot of the LA dojo guys have like a huge problem with that and they have a chip on their shoulder. And I mean, we've seen it this year of just, Quiet as is kept. Let's just the the facts are the facts. Out of all the recent young lions who have graduated within the last, like you know, three or four years, there are now yeah, there are five who have won gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Only one is not from the LA Dojo. And technically he kind of is because obviously we all know that Ren Narita did his excursion in the LA Dojo to be trained by Shibata. So we currently have Kevin Knight, um, Alex Coughlin, Gabe Kidd, Clark Connors, and Ren Narita have all won gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling at this point. Um, so, hey, give... I mean, the facts are the facts, and I think that we're seeing just this young wave of people just, like, you know, just really proving themselves in New Japan, and it's going to cause all-out civil war, and I think what's going to be even more exciting is obviously in um, the G1, there's one block that doesn't look like the other, and that's the one that has most of the, you know, the young talent, um, so I'm super excited. Oh, one other thing that... um, um Kid and uh and Coughlin brought up is the fact that you know Kaido Kiyomiya has seemed to get more opportunities than them, and he doesn't even work there. Um, so he will also be a huge factor, um, interesting factor, I think, mixing it up with like a lot of these young guys because you have some of them their first time, like Coughlin, Kid, um, they're in the tournament for the first time this year, as well as Kaido Kiyomiya, um, as well as Shoto Umino and Ren Narita and Yoda Suji. So, like there's a lot of, you know, interesting storylines here. Like, you know, Kevin Knight and Clark Connors had their, like, you know, um, tiff that they got into at Best of the Super Juniors. So, like, we're seeing a lot of hungry young talent. And I just love it. Like, honestly, I feel like especially that Clark Connors 
and Jamila Maloney match versus Catch 2-2. That was the shot in the arm that tag team wrestling needed. I've, have there been some great tag team matches this year? Absolutely, 100%. But I think that, like, we've one thing that we've lacked this year that I feel like happened a lot last year is like tag team matches, great tag team matches from my like actual teams, like people who are established tag teams. Like, I think you know, a lot of that is because you know, trios wrestling, I feel like just came up huge this year. Like, I, and I think so, there's a lot of great signature six man tags, but like, as far as like you know, this established team versus this established team. There hasn't been a lot of those type matches this year that I, have really wowed me. And the ones that did, almost all of them included Aussie Open, like from Young Bucks Aussie Open to Bishamon um, Aussie Open. Like I, you know, even like, you know, Matt Seidel and Christopher Daniels were forming their old team to face, you know, Aussie Open. Like that's, you know, Obviously, I love a good makeshift tag team, and I, we've seen a lot of great makeshift tag team matches, but for tag divisions to grow and, you know, be solid in a wrestling promotion, you need, like, those established tags, and this is exactly what I was looking for. Like, this is exactly what I was looking for, um, Clark Connors and Maloney versus Catch Two Two, and also, shout out to Catch Two Two. Like, they... When they won the titles the first time, like the the division that they inherited versus the a division that they leave behind are two completely different divisions when it comes to um, the I, the junior heavyweight division. Like as far as tag team wrestling, like man, they've made you believe it, and they've also elevated every single team that they've gotten in the ring with, like from you know Kevin Knight and Kushida. Um, to you know, Maloney and Connors, because I think like this match was huge for them to you know, really like you know, cement is this pairing gonna work or are we just blowing smoke up everybody's ass? But obviously, it works, and so much of that is due to you know, catch two, two, like well done. I mean, it's been said before, United Empire is, I mean, one of the most talented collection of athletes ever. Each, like literally each wrestler in United Empire has had an insane match this year, a great match this year, you know, and if they haven't had one yet, they have one lined up. I'm thinking of Great Ocon versus Michael Oku that is coming up um, very soon with Rev Pro that I'm almost positive is going to be a banger. You had that classic Aaron Hanare had earlier this year with Shingo. Obviously, obviously Open is responsible for most of my favorite tag matches of the year. Um, you have Will Ospreay is Will Ospreay and had two like of the best matches of all time just this year alone. Even with injuries this year, like absolutely insane. Catch you two just being incredible. Jeff Cobb has been awesome every time he's re I've seen him wrestle this year. Had a great match with Kenny Omega. Um, yeah, I just and I hope I'm not missing anybody, but I'm just really happy with just the impact that United Empire continues to have on wrestling, um, especially in New Japan, of just elevating everybody and really adding prestige to some belts that have lost prestige. They've been really great for that. Um, so 
Um, love that. Next, <laughs> I will say, I don't think I've ever heard like a modern, like a 2023 Cork and Hall match as loud as the pop for a June Kasai. Like <laughs> the Doomsday No Disqualification Tag Team Match. Listen, man, this, this was beautiful pro wrestling violence. El Desperado and June Kasai versus Homicide and John Moxley, four of the sickest fucks in professional wrestling. Wow. I mean, like, it's funny because I was watching it at like, what was it, 6 a.m., something like that. And I kid you not, I just kept having to put my hand over my mouth because I was screaming so loud and I'm almost positive, like, my neighbors probably would have thought like I was getting murdered in here or something like I this wooed me and wowed me and I just it was beautiful ugly disgusting sadistic nasty just broken down just insane and I mean that crowd loved every bit of it and I think like that's just such a credit to the work that um, Rocky Romero has been doing and also everybody who works on New Japan Strong. Um, like they built an entire brand that still feels like New Japan, but still feels distinct. Um, listen, American Strong style is I think here to stay. And I am really proud, I think as an American, I've never actually said that sentence before. Anyway, I'm proud as an American that a space like this was created. I feel like a lot of times in American wrestling, you feel like you've had to choose of just, you know, a very high quality standard or, you know, what's going to sell and get the most viewers like sports entertainment. Like I feel like it's always been like a compromise and I feel like New Japan Strong exists in a space to where like, wrestling does not have to compromise of like, you know, wrestling is clearly the focus. Like there's a niche for this. There's an audience for this. And like, it's not for everybody, but it's a large enough audience to where, yes, this space is so necessary now. And like, I'm just really glad that it exists. Um, Homicide teaming up with John Moxley was so poetic. And I think on the same, I, I thought like in the back of my head of just like, for Eddie Kingston, like, imagine how special that is to have Homicide and Mox there. Like, obviously, like, you know, kayfabe, like, him and Mox are beefing. But, like, you know, that's those are two of his best friends. And um, that was, like, I just thought about it. Like, that's just so special for him to have, you know, be able to go over there, but then have a piece of home. Um, and have people who, like, literally watch you in your career, like, progress be there for you like you know your it's like having your family there and so it was super cool also june kasai like dude <laughs> dude like you can it's like a certain point in every mox match you can tell like when he like falls in love with his opponent and it doesn't always happen i like there's very few people to where i feel like their insanity has made mox like oh i love you um and I think one is definitely like Hangman Page. I think Kenny Omega's one. I think Tomohiro Ishii is definitely one. 
Um, El Desperado is one. And I just think like, you know, June Kasai is one um, now because he's just like, oh, somebody crazier than me. Like you can tell he loves it. And I just love like the discourse online and everybody's losing their minds about Mox is crazy. And da, 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 da. Meanwhile, Mox is like, how can I top this? Like, how can I go crazier tomorrow? And also like, he doesn't care about social media. So he's just going to be himself and he's going to go crazy, go stupid. And I love that for him because, you know, he, he's a go. I, I like a lot of the thing is, like I've said before, a lot of people, a lot, we hear a lot of wrestlers talk about wanting better and wanting more for their careers. But John Mox is one of the rare people, especially on the men's side that actually, went out and got better and demanded better and him demanding better for his professional wrestling career made professional wrestling itself so much better in the sense of like, you got to think of him wanting to do the G1 wanting to like, you know, go to new Japan, but also like, you know, wanting to do AEW and like literally loving them both so much and wanting to give them both so much to the point that he literally just, just, basically forces them to work together and look at everything that comes has come from that. Like he was the forbidden door and we've gotten, we've gotten to see so many other people walk through it. And it's really, it's beautiful to see. Um, and I, I just love John Moxley. Um, so next we had um, um, day two. Um, we started off with, uh, pre-show six man, nothing really to write home about, but Master Wado, Oleg, and um, Taguchi got the win. Um, next, Oscar Alub was scheduled to, ha- scheduled to have a match against JR Kratos, but he was injured in the night before, so he had a mystery opponent, which ended up being Satoshi Kojima. Um, and this was short, obviously, the young line lost, but it was a really um, a decent showing. Um, next we had Catch 2-2 having a match against Homicide and Oa. Um, they got a win here after losing the belts last night. But um, like I said, Catch 2-2 just makes everything so much better. Really happy that they're there. Um, also, Francisco Akira. I know we talk a lot about Kyle Fletcher being the future, and he 100% is, but Akira is like right there with him. Like, I. It was obvious during Best of the Super Juniors, but every time I watch him, this kid is special. Um, so don't sleep on him. Next, we had um, the Connors and Maloney were going up against Rocky Romero and Yo, but this got changed to an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag title match, um, you know, right before it happened um, with um, Romero and Yo being former, um, former title holders challenged for it. This match was great. Like, like I said, these guys are just awesome. Rocky is always solid. Everything is picture perfect. Um, Yo, Yo is in his postmodern era, <laughs> and he has just been losing it since um, Best of Super Junior. And I have enjoyed his performances so much. Um, it's been fun. Next, we had. Um, and also, shout out to um, Connors and Maloney. This is only their second match as a team, and they're gelling so well, and it's just such a great time. Um, next, we have Alex Zane and Aaron, Alex, Lance Archer versus 
um, Bad Dude Tito and Fujita. Sadly, Bad Dude Tito, uh, Tito and Fujita lost. But, you know, hey, it was a really great reaction for all the guys. Next, um, there was the six-man tag team match, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the DKC and Tomohiro Ishii versus Team Filthy, um, Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and Tom Lawler. Team Filthy lost, but let me tell you, like, Tom Lawler talked about this in his backstage comments, but, like, he's incredible, and I and I really, really do hate it for him that Adam Cole was sick and that he couldn't wrestle, you know, that match at Forbidden Door because, man, like, Tom Lawler is a talent. I feel like, you know, he's been one of those anchors of New Japan Strong, and I think, like, there's so many other opportunities that I hope open up opens up for him. He's great, and, like, he's brought a lot of people with them and like even him in the gawky american flag apparel like in cork and like the way that he gets people into it um was super awesome um he's super awesome and i really just really hope that a lot of things happen for him um in the coming year next um julia versus willow nightingale um yeah I will say the match at first, there were clearly like some communication problems, like probably language barrier. But once, once they got it, <laughs> they got it. Like, wow. Like that was a really, really, really great. Like you have some great storytelling there of, you know, of Julia not being, having to like, you know, continue to like try different things to be um, new, Willow. And I think Willow was just showed off as an incredible, incredible powerhouse. Um, she was made for this, man. Like, I, I'm so happy for her. Like, yeah, Julia's the new champion. She's going to be a great champion. And I think, like, stardom's at a really, really interesting point of just, like, you can either let these girls... You can either be in charge... In the sense of like, you know, allowing these bookings and picking and choosing which ones they take and like, you know, being able to benefit off of them. Or you can just risk these women going off on their own and becoming megastars because like there's a market for it. They know it's a market for it. Fans want it like these are stars. And I think like we're in an opportunity that we've never been in before. And I think I'm going to probably write about this um, in one of my articles, but we're at an opportunity in American wrestling that we really haven't been on in a very, 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 very long time of just, I feel like, yes, there in the time, in the past, there have been like Joshi wrestlers who have gone to WWE, um, which is, you know, fine, but obviously they can't, they're not just because of how the styles work. They're not allowed to wrestle the way that, you know, we, we may be used to them wrestling in a stardom or, you know, another uh, uh, J Japanese women's promotion as stiff or, you know, other things. However, I think coming off the pandemic, especially with the implementation of new Japan of America and partnerships with like impact and obviously AEW and Ring of Honor, we are at a point to where we can actually truly put Joshi Wrestling on a large American global platform 
without any censorship. Like in the sense of like actual stiff, like, you know, all the things that make this special, like not watering it down, like actually bring just like, yeah, like just like, you know, being able to put like some of the best Japanese stars on a card or like a forbidden door or, you know, like just regular partnership and multiverse United, you know, stuff like that. But like we now have the opportunity with women. And I think that when the floodgates open, like, I think this is going to be a turning point for women's wrestling. I think this match marked the turning point for women's wrestling of just, you can say whatever you want about the AEW women's division, but we're not going to say that they're not talented. And Willow Nightingale went that went in that ring with Julia and looked like a world-class athlete because she is. Um, and she's not the only person who's capable of doing that, you know, on that roster. Like there are other women who can go hand to hand with the best uh, in the business. Cause you, you know, um, because I, I feel like that's always a debate. People just, Oh, well, they're the best American wrestler, but they couldn't beat the best Joshi wrestler. Uh, so like, you know, they can not the best in the world. I feel like now we're in a position, like, let's find out, you know, we are now in a position to actually find out, like, you know, book the Jamie haters versus, you know, um, a stardom opponent like a um, Utami. Like, you know, you can book Athena versus Tam Nakano. Please, for the love of God, book Athena versus Tam Nakano. I want that match so bad. You can book, like, you know, a Willow my Nightingale versus a Micah of, like, you know, who's the biggest, best powerhouse. Like, these things are a reality. It's no longer just, you know, what ifs. Like, I feel like we're here at this moment now um, where we can start seeing some of these things happen. Um, and that's going to be super cool. It's going to be super cool to watch. It was cool to see Julia and Willow Nightingale in the ring together. Um, I'm excited for Julia's reign, but man, Willow, I just hope she understands how special her winning that belt was to me and to so many other people. And she was just an incredible first cha a champion who carried that belt with so much pride and dignity. And so we'll always love her for that. Up next, we had the second tag team title match, Bishamon versus Coughlin and Kid. This was for the IWGP tag team belts. Bishamon won here, which I feel like was the right call. This match was not as good as the first one, but that is completely okay. It was still good, so I don't really care. Um, and I and it did what it needed to do. It split the titles in a no fuss fashion, you know. You get, you know, the Coughlin and Kid get that moment and, you know, Bishamon got their lick back. You know, every, evens even, one to one, okay? Everything's fine. Um, and also Coughlin and Kid will, you know, they'll be much, they'll be much more, you know, open and available to doing like, you know, New Japan strong events, you know, on American soil and stuff like that. So it'll be great. Next, we had oh, one of the, I think, truly sweetest, beautiful moments in professional wrestling history. Um, Eddie Kingston and Corican Hall defeating Kenta for the New Japan Strong Openweight title. It was beautiful. And I'm going to be honest, like, I'm looking at cage match right now, and I see that the match was 13 minutes. But, like, it felt like so much longer. I will say, like, all of these matches felt like so much longer. Like going back and actually seeing like how much time they took up is really crazy because like 
I did not realize that New Japan really paced their show that well. Like the time that they gave all these matches was really great because um, it felt like forever. Um, this was just special, man. Like he was so shocked that originally, and then like you can tell he couldn't believe it, and then like tears, and then him having a homicide there. It was just so beautiful. I'm really happy for Eddie. This can't be the end, though. Like I, I love that he's won the New Japan Strong Openweight title, um, but I want to. I wanted to keep coming. Like I wanted to keep coming. Put the Ring of Honor belt on him. Put the AEW World Championship on him. I don't care. I love Eddie Kingston. Next, we had and lastly, we had the final death match: John Moxie versus El Desperado. <sighs> These two sick fuckers. Um, but man, 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 do they know how to perform. El Desperado is somebody who brings it out of Mox. I don't know. It's really interesting. Like I said earlier, you know how, you know when Mox really respects somebody, it's just like a whole different level he taps into. And it's so crazy. Like people, he, he took a while to bleed in this match. But literally, it's so funny because when he does, it's like a switch turns on. It's like a switch turns on. And he just goes to a whole different level uh, with the blood when the blood starts rushing down his face. And I just want to give props, one, to De El Desperado. He didn't win this match, but El Desperado, you are one of my faves. Um, absolutely incredible wrestler. Like, the charisma, like, just the presence, um... El Desperado, like, it's crazy that a man in a mask can really have that much, like, of an emotional connection. Like, like a, not even like a get the crowd hype type of connection, but it's like, oh, I feel like I know this man. I know everything about him and I love him. And he is incredible and amazing. And I just want him to have all the things in the world. Like, El Desperado. He just has that connection with the audience to where, like, nah, like, we locked in. Like, we're really locked in. Like, I don't just think your moves are cool. I think you're cool, okay? Like, just, you're awesome. And I and to I, and where people are really rooting for him, like, he's, like, one of those people, and, and I think it's even in the name, Desperado is just, like, you know, one of those lone rangers who will do anything to, like, you know, get that thrill. I feel like Hangman's another character like that. Um... He's just awesome. And he he's just the way that he continues to reinvent himself and like, you know, it's take on these matches. And I mean, just not even just do well to say that he's not typically a deathmatch wrestler. Like, no, he excels. He's not good at it. He's amazing at it. Um, and I think this, like this whole week, this last, not weekend, but the last two days, those two days events, like it shows that deathmatch wrestling is wrestling. Um, when done correctly, like, you know, don't just be hitting people over the head just to hit people with it. Like pacing is so important. Like, you know, emotion is so important. Like El Desperado, Jun Kasai, Homicide, you know, John Moxley, these are some of the best people at this specific like I, I will say like watching June Kasai I had I've honestly I've developed a completely 
new appreciation for deathmatch wrestling because like seeing how he operates and how he like you know approaches approaches his matches even though like he's doing some crazy shit no movement is wasted like it's just you can see him like analyzing his environment breaking down what goes where like it's it's like playing chaotic violence and it's just it's magic and you can tell that oh yeah mox learned something from jun kasai um and yeah i i i've never understood like i've, I've obviously i've liked death matches but i've never really understood the art a deathmatch wrestling until I think I started watching Jun Kasai. Um, and also reanalyzing, like, you know, Mox's, some of Mox's matches and El Desperado's matches. Like, I just loved it. Um, great final deathmatch. Um, hats off to New Japan for two kick ass shows, two new champion, um, well, basically a lot of new champions, new IWGP junior heavyweight champions, new New Japan strong tag team champions, new New Japan strong champion, and New Japan uh, strong women's champion. Um, but I mean, wow. And you got a commitment from Mox to be coming back to Japan more frequently. Um, Hats off to my promotion of the year. I don't know. Um, but we also had... Um, oh, before I get into anything, Fight Forever is out, guys. Um, I've been having a blast. Um, ever since I got it, um, it got delivered on my doorstep last Thursday, and I have not put it down since. Um, I know that Kenny Omega is tired of me on that game because I play as him all the time. Um I alternate between Kenny and Mox, or I will alternate between um, Chris Statlander, Sheeta, and Jade Cargill. Um, I have been beating MJF's ass a lot <laughs> in, in the game. I also love the lights out matches as well as the exploding barbed wire death matches. So I've definitely played more of those than any other match, probably. Um, and Eddie Kingston has just won the world championship and wrote to elite life is good. Um, yeah, fight forever guys get yours now on all consoles. Uh, but yeah, it's really, actually really super incredible. Um, I'm a huge fan of the game. Yeah. Some things I wish would be better. Yeah. Like obviously, but um, it's a lot of, you know, stars I'm waiting to get on the roster, like, you know, for the game, but I think it was awesome for like, you know, for base level, like, obviously we're all going to go back and download a lot of DLC anyway. And I mean, they could not have taken much longer with that game. I would have screamed. Like I literally would have probably, um, um, just hit up the website that I pre-ordered it from and just said, just cancel my order and give me back my money because this is taking, this is ridiculous because I did this last year. But I'm really um, happy with the game so far. Thank you, Kenny Omega, for all of your hard work. Um, yeah, and I will be seated whenever I find out when the Jamie Hayter um, downloadable content is coming because 
Uh, that is one thing I'm really missing. Like, I really want to play as Jamie Hayter. Um, I really, really, really want to play as Jamie Hayter. Um, so, you know, hopefully that happens soon. Oh, and Tony Storm, too. Like, I need those two, like, really bad. Like, um, really want those in the game. But we're doing well um, otherwise. Um, and... I feel like my skills are improving. I haven't had this much fun playing a wrestling game since I was a kid, like back in when I used to play Day of Reckoning or SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain or SmackDown versus Raw 2007. Like those were my jams back in the day. So it's cool. It's also cool to have blood in a video game again. Like really like, I don't know, feel like I'm committing murder um, in my video game. Like that's how I like it typically. So I don't, um, in my video games. We were, you know, doing the Forbidden Door post-show. I forgot that we didn't talk about the stardom shows. And now uh, another week has passed. So there's been two stardom shows. So just to quickly recap, um, the one, well, well, two major stardom shows. Anyway, um, the one that happened on the same night as Forbidden Door um, started off with the um, pre-show uh, match we had stars versus um aya uh, waka and yuna um just your you know run of the mill pre-show six man um nanai um defeated hanako suri defeated xena as expected um we had cosmic angels and kairi defeated micah may sarah and suzu suzuki which was a great match i highly recommend you go back and watch it um we had club venus mariah may and mina shirakawa defeated ami sorai and mirai and man 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 Ah, oh, this was a beautiful moment. I think one to get some redemption for Mina because I hate that she lost the white belt as quickly as she did. But for Mariah May, like the hate that she got when she first got to stardom was absolutely insane. Like people were just like, oh, she's trying to devalue stardom. She doesn't actually care. Like, like the Joshi stands, purists and elitists, they went in on her. And like she's just a beach blonde like why doesn't she go to like you know somewhere like nxt like she doesn't care about wrestling just a whole bunch of unfounded claims for uh, from people who had never obviously watched any of her work like for me personally i had not seen much of her work but i knew that if she got into stardom like she's good like she's really good and i think also for right now being a foreigner who can go to stardom like she had to completely uproot her life, root her life, and I think that it's just so cool that she really stuck with this. Like, she might have a pretty face, um, but she is as tough as they come. And Mariah May is really cool, and she's been, you know, like Mina's right hand, like her lieutenant in Club Venus from the start. Like, she's one of those original members, so. It was really awesome just seeing them, a.k.a. Rose Gold, um, win the Goddess of Stardom belts. They deserve. Exciting to see what both of these women do in the five-star Grand Prix. Um, they're awesome. Next there was um, the cage match. Um, Julia, Mai, and uh, Tekla versus Suzuki, Kaguma, and um, Mayu Iwatani. 
Um, Donna Del Mondo won this and they retained their artem their artists of stardom title match title belts. Ooh. Um, but I thought this match was great. Honestly, DDM, like this collection of DDM, since they won these artist belts, they have not missed. Even like when they originally won the belts, that match was so good. Um, and I remember like telling people, like, oh yeah, please go back and watch this match. Go watch this match because it was so good. Um, but yeah, Julia is operating on a completely different like you know level right now i and not to mention she is now two belts julia two belts um so she is the new japan um strong women's champion as well as the artist of stardom champion in stardom so this match was great but the big 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 finale the one that really really shook the place up the match was the loser must leave the unit, still cage, 12-woman ta um, tag team match, Queen's Quest versus Odeo Tie. And oh my gosh, this match, it was great. Don't get me wrong, it was great. But the finish, that finish, like the last three minutes of that match were nuts. <laughs> like nuts. Um, you had... Saya climb up the cage to hold on to Yatami and help her out. And they rejoice because you know they have been having problems lately and it was so beautiful. And then you have Saki being the one who's left, which I didn't see coming. I was like, you know, they just put some gold on her. Like, I, I, why is she like, you know, taking L um, originally? But okay. But I didn't expect, and you know, man, oh, they tell they they jumped her like she stole something. They, I mean, they beat her ass. Um, that was crazy. Like it was, it was giving very much death row. Um, I said, wow, I'm scared of y'all. I really am scared of y'all. Um, but it was <sighs> cinema, the emotion. I think it, it makes it even more interesting of what you know. Well, I'll talk about that for this next uh, this next show. So the next show, Miss Summer Champions, just happened a few days ago. Um, where does it really start to get cracking? Because I'm not going through the full card. Um, don't get me wrong; the ma all, all the matches were good, but I'm I'm about to fall asleep, guys. Uh, but anyway, we had Queen's Quest versus Stars, and so I thought this was just your you know run of the mill eight woman tag team match. However, you tell me how Yashita decides at the end to grab the mic and talk about how she's going to go find herself. Where are you going? Where are we going? You tell me, like, where are we going for you to uh, you to find yourself? Because what does that mean? Said she was basically like, um, Queen's Quest is in great hands. So it's like you went through all of that drama that putting all of us through emotional turmoil last week just to be like, you know, I'm good. I'm going to find myself. Like, excuse me. Only for the, and I mean, just seeing the way that um, Queen's Quest was surrounding her, like, huh? Like, girl, are you okay? Um, but I think it only made it even funnier to find out the next day, like all these flyers pop up. Uh, she's going to GCW for three dates, um, coming to America. And like, that's just such, such a very interesting first, first stop for her, but I am excited for the matches um, 
from what I I saw, I think it said she's going to face Billy Starks for one of them. She's going to face Lufisto. And I forgot the third one, but it's one. I was somewhere on Twitter. But um, after that, we had um, Donna Del Mondo, um, Julia Micah. Also, Micah, she about to go crazy in the five-star Grand Prix. Anyway, my Sakura Teka versus um, Momo, um, Nasuko, Rina, and Raka. So ooh, that was just your run-of-the-mill run for um, four versus four. And then we had Nanai defeated Starlight Kid. I didn't understand the booking decision for that because I just don't feel like Nanai needed that win. Like, you know, she's a veteran. So I, yeah, Starlight Kid, you know, I can't say that I've been watching Stardom for a very, very, very long time. I, you know, I got into it probably around December, December of last year. However, what I do know is that Starlight Kid is one of the best and most over people on that roster, period. Like, she sells the merch. People love her. She puts on five-star classics. Like, I just, I'm interested. Maybe And maybe something will become, like, you know, apparent to me during the five-star Grand Prix. But I'm just not understanding why she's not top girl. Like one of the top girls right now in the title pictures, like in the red belt or even the white belt title picture. And you know, if you listen to this and you are like, oh, I have an answer for this, please tell me. Like, I would, I really want to know because, like, Starlight Kid is her, period. Um, there's no other way to put it. Um, and next we had um, Club Venus. Um, they, successfully defended their titles for the first time defeating Ami and Suri. Um next we had oh this one was crazy the high speed title match Saki versus Fujikin Death listen Odio Tide was coming for her ass like they were like I said they have been going after her beating her like she stole something and she got that roll up because th the match ended up being three minutes and 30 seconds I said oh my gosh like is this going to be her whole high speed run of just like, you know, narrowly escaping death? It might be funny. I don't know. And um, next we have the wonder of stardom title match. Mariah versus Tam Nakano. Listen, Mariah, I owe you an apology. I was not familiar with your game. Your game. You know, I have gone on record, especially over the past week, saying that a lot of people owe certain people an apology um, that didn't get a fair shake at the beginning of the year. Um, like I said, a lot of y'all owe um, David Finley an uh, apology. A lot of y'all owe Mariah May an apology. A lot of y'all owe, um, you know, Master Watto an, an apology. And a lot of y'all owe Mariah an apology. I'm in two of those categories because I did believe in the day. Well, I, did, I believed in giving David Finley a chance off, off rip. And I... I, you know, I had faith in Mariah May when I really gave her a chance for the first time. But I'm be honest, I'm so sorry, Watto. Um, and but now we talk about Mariah. 
I was not familiar with your game. And she stepped up. That's what I was waiting to see from her. Because I'm going to be honest. I believed Tam on a lot of those things that were said, that she said, even though they were very mean things that she said um, to Mariah. Uh, but I hadn't seen, like, there had been no matches that really made me like, wow, like, Mariah, this is who won the Cinderella tournament. Woo, that's awesome. Or I, like... Oh, that Mariah match was the size, you know, you know, stole the show on the card or it was amazing. Um, I never felt that. Um, but this match made me feel that. Um, this match was a war. Mariah, she, hey, she had to, she had to defend her name. She had to defend her name because Tam was talking hardcore shit. Like I will say, and the crazy thing is, obviously, it was in Japanese and had to be translated. But I was like, oh, my God. And the thing is, even though I, like, if I listen to it, I don't know what she's saying in the moment without captions. But, like, even without captions, you know that Tam was just talking crazy shit. Like, <laughs> I think that's the part. It just looked disrespectful coming out of her mouth. It didn't matter what language it was in. Um, Tam Nakano, you know, you got to love her. And I think that I get it now. I'm not saying that I agree with it. I'm not saying that I agree with it. But I do believe that I get it now why Tam took the title off of Mina before dropping the title to Mariah. Because I will say, Mariah had a lot of work to do to really... It, it took a lot of work to really get her over. Like, she isn't the most charismatic on the mic. She isn't, you know the most emotive, like, you know, facial expression. She isn't, like, the most charismatic. Um, and I feel like she, to truly elevate her, you can't, it can't be somebody who's still elevating. And I think, like, Mina fell into that category because we have to remind ourselves, even though she has been very, very successful in a short amount of time, like, oh my God, just amazing. But we have to remind ourselves, Mia is still rebuilding herself. Like, she has literally been on this redemption tour ever since Sai uh, obviously broke her face. She comes back. She has this new tag team. Well, this new trio, and it's called Club Venus, and like trying to fit in Cosmic Angels, and trying to, you know, work her way back up the ladder to eventually get to Shia and then, you know, just leave Cosmic Angels and say, like, you know, I want to do my own thing. Like, I want to do my own thing and I believe in myself and I believe I can be a leader now and I can, I believe I can be a champion as well. Like, this is all still happened in, like, recent memory. Like, we're still living in Mina's redemption story. Just talking about it as related to the goddess of the starting belts too, right? So, I guess I understand why Mina couldn't be the one to elevate Mariah in that way. Um, so I guess I understand. Um, and I think Tam was just perfect for that. Like, obviously, Tam was very disrespectful and very mean, but she made me want to watch this match. Like, she made, like, Tam, the way that she bullied her, it was just like, I, I want to see, like, Mariah got to redeem herself. Like, she literally, you can't take that, like, laying down. Like, you got to get your lip back on town. Like, you know, and it made me believe in her. Yeah, and, and in its own way, like, 
it made me believe in her and it made me like root for her, you know, to really want to put on a really great performance. Um, and like, you know, Tam is a fully developed character. Obviously she's still growing and evolving, but we know who Tam Nakano is, you know? And I feel like because she's so secure in herself and so secure and like, you know, just who her character is at this time. And sometimes that is a very mean person, but she knows that. Um, I think she was just the perfect person to elevate her here because, you know, she, she's developed, you know, she's not, you know, still developing like a character, like, you know, like Mina. So I was a fan of how that match turned out. And also, you know, Tam is still red belt champion. You know, Julia has now moved on, you know, everything. Life is pretty much good, except for Mayu Iwatani. I'm sure it's not, anything to do with like her personally probably has more to do with Rossi and booking, but this IWGP women's championship ain't been defended yet, baby. Since And that match was April 23rd. Um, I know Mariah may challenged her, but when are we going to actually get a title match? Because I will say, especially with, and I, I have a hot take. Mercedes would have been an amazing first New Japan Strong champion. But I think, yeah, and yes, she would have brought a lot of prestige to like big shows that she's defending at. Absolutely. But I think like big shows like like a Forbidden Door or something, right? Like those are shows that are already going to be big. And I've, but I do believe that Willow becoming champion was a blessing to disguise because she's able, she was able to do things with that belt that Mercedes just wasn't going to be able to do and wasn't probably going to do of being able to have the belt on TV week to week to week to week to week to week. Like we know how Mercedes runs like these days, like she shows up for the big shows. Like she, you know, she and also right now she's I think she's doing marketing and stuff for a movie so like her schedule is already like you know packed and full of stuff and especially during the summer she's like an actress model wrestler like you know business owner she's doing a lot of things and so the thing about somebody like Willow like she is a full-time wrestler like she's a full-time wrestler with ability to like get on, you know, TV time, um, all the time, you know, like on a regular basis. Um, and I think that, that was something that this belt needed to really be established its credibility as in a belt that's going to be defended regularly and a belt that's going to basically force the best wrestlers in the world to travel across the ocean to fight the other best wrestlers in the world for it. Um, and fight, you know, as well as on, you know, their respective country soil. Like I think it set a frequency standard in like title defenses um, that is really good because especially with the IWGP women's championship, just we don't know what's going on with that and um yeah we just don't know what's going on with that so 
everybody thought that that was going to be the more quote-unquote prestigious belt but honestly it feels like right now that new japan strong championship is just as prestigious so um i think that that's a lot due to be like i said being able to be defended on tv and being just shown on tv it was just a huge deal um both in AEW, ring of honor um as well as forbidden door um so that's been cool um yeah so oh yeah the last match on that card i forgot um the strap match um nice Poi and sorry i knew i i still like botch some of these pronunciations so forgive me but yeah was the match as bad as everybody made it out to be on twitter no however i it was an indian strap match i just wish that it wasn't the main event i think that mariah versus tam for the wonder of stardom belt should have main evented um yeah that's all i'm gonna say about it um it wasn't my favorite match clearly of the night um yeah i just wish it didn't main event but you know we live and we learn and also i still think the world of both women like amazing like nice boy specifically has been one of the best big match wrestlers of the year of just showing up and showing out every time she gets those singles performances so like obviously think very highly of both women um i just wish it did main event but anyway um it's going to be a big upcoming week, guys. We got the G1 coming up. That's probably going to be the theme of a lot of episodes going forward. So buckle up. It's going to be G1 Mania over here. In addition to got to figure out what's going on with Blood and Guts. We're going to start building towards All In. Um, and we're going to figure out what's next for a lot of these women's championships. So super excited about all of that. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Lyric Wrestling and on other social media platforms at Lyric Swinton. Also, you can find Maps and Graps on all available, like, you know, podcast outlets, um, Google, Apple, Spotify, um, and also on YouTube. In addition, you can also find all of your Maps and Graps merch on fouryearwear.com slash mapsgraps. Thank you to everybody who's ordered your merch already. I truly appreciate it. I got my own t-shirt now too. So it's been super exciting to see like, you know, the logo um, on media like that. So let me know how you're enjoying the podcast. Keep um, supporting my articles coming out and I will chat with y'all later. So much to talk about. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,